And thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast from Connect Church. We'd like to invite you to join us in person at 1101 West Grand in Ponca City, Oklahoma, or on Facebook Live. Go to connectchurchpc.com to learn more about how we are helping people connect every day. We are a people, connected people, all in God's love. this morning, so let's hope that I don't mess up. But as you guys know, I have ADHD, and therefore a, a byproduct of ADHD is terrible handwriting. And Wednesday night at Amplify, I was writing, and people were like, what language are you writing again? And uh, it's ancient Sanskrit. But I've been, I've been talking about this triangle that, we're, that, that, that I've learned about as a church, what we want to be. Koinonia, which means, this is about the love. How are we ensuring love? How are we ensuring community? How are we in connecting with people? And, and then we have kerygma, and that's the gospel. These are all Greek words, in case you're wondering. I've never heard that word before. They're all Greek, and don't worry, it's even Greek to me. But kerygma is about the gospel, the good news, and, and, and preaching the word of God and knowing the word of God. And then the, the fourth leg is diakonos, or the third leg. I'm sorry. I didn't do very well in geometry growing up. I was more of an algebra type of guy. And so you, you look at this triangle, and you, you talk about koinonia, about a love, about the community, and how we, we come together. We talked about this word agape, the unconditional love. And so many times when we come in, it, it, it's, it's great to love people and, and to have that love for one another. But it's even better when you can say, you know what, I accept you just the way you are, and you come into my family, and you're part of who we are, and so we show love. But if, we, if we're all about love and we never actually talk about the gospel, then we haven't helped anybody out. And so then we talk about the gospel where the hope is, and we sing that song, Lead Me to the Cross, and it's talking that the cross is our hope, the cross in Jesus. That's where we find grace. That's where we find redemption. That's where God just moves in and does great things. But we also have to know what our diaconos is, our doctrine, our discipleship, how we develop people, how we know what we believe. And, and so you can look at this and say, man, there, there are churches out there that they get all hung up in love, and, and it doesn't matter what's going on. We just love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. But it's not really agape love because they're not trying to transform you. It's more of an accepting love instead of a transformational love. And then you talk about churches that they're all about the gospel and they just want to want to preach the gospel and every Sunday they want to do an altar call and every Sunday they want to lead someone to Christ, which is great, but it doesn't stop there. And if you have that without love, then you don't have a front door where people are coming in saying, man, I want to learn about this gospel. But then if you don't get to the diaconos, the, the doctrine of what we believe, then we're nothing. We're just a loose gathering of country club Christians who are along for the ride. And, and so 
we've been doing this series called Kaleo. It's the Greek word for called. And, and uh, if you're saying, wow, all these Greek words, Mark, what's going on? Well, I, I grabbed out my Greek New Testament and, and blew off the dust on it and looked through it a little bit and just picked out words. But it's actually more than that. I want us to be called. I want us to understand our calling. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, Jesus said, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful to few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The background story to this is the, the parable of talents. And he gave five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to the, the final servant. The guy with five invested it and multiplied it and came back and gave ten, returned ten talents back to his master. And he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The one with two talents invested it and, and, and doubled it. He came back and gave four talents to his master. And the master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the one with one talent dug a hole, buried it, covered it up, drew up a, a, a great map so he could find his way back to X marks the spot. He comes back to the master. He says, man, I know that you're shrewd. I know that you're hard. And, and so I did not lose the talent. What did the master say to him? You're lazy. He said, why didn't you at least take and invest it? And, and so many times in our lives, we look at the talent, we look at the calling, and we do nothing with it because maybe we're afraid to step out. Maybe we're afraid of what that would look like. Maybe we're afraid that we step out and we fail. How bad could that look? I believe in nothing more than the power of divine destiny. And one of the things that God has called each of us to do is serve wholeheartedly. Back in 1999, when Terry and I first came to Ponca City, we had a retired pastor in our church, and he gave me a book to read. It was called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. And on page 22 of that book, he said, I despaired the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on our behalf. Carol, his wife, and I didn't want to merely mark time. I longed and cried out for God to change everything. Me, the church, our passion for people, our praying. One day, I told the Lord that I would rather die than merely tread water throughout my career in ministry, always preaching about the power of the word and the spirit, but never seeing it. I abhorred the thought of just having more church services. I hungered for God to break through in our lives and ministry. He was, at that time, pastoring a church of about 20 people in Brooklyn, New York, and you walked inside, the building was falling down. It's now a, a church of about 6,000 people that is transforming the entire community of Brooklyn, New York. But how many times do we go before God and say, God, I just want to see you use me in a mighty way. I want to be used, and I want to be transformed. When I think about stories in the Bible, my boy's favorite Bible story is David and Goliath. If you have boys, you understand that. It's so much fun because in the story, David kills Goliath. And if you, if you read the Bible version, at the, end of the, at the end of the story, David takes Goliath's sword and cuts off his head. And my boys were always like, you know, all the children's stories don't share that with us. And we think that they should share that with us. And so we scanned through pictures of non-gory David holding up Goliath's head until we could find one that didn't look like, you know, Nightmare City. But here's David. David was the youngest of his brothers. When Samuel came to anoint, and God said, Samuel, I want you to go and anoint the new king of Israel. 
Saul is no longer the called leader. Saul is no longer doing my will, and I want you to go anoint the new one. When Samuel gets there and he looks at Jesse's sons, each one that passed by him, Samuel's like, this has got to be the one. And God said, no. The next one passes by, and Samuel goes, God, have you seen this guy? Head and shoulders, good-looking man. God says, no. And so then, have you ever told someone you want to meet their entire family, and after you met him, you're like, I think there's somebody missing? And you have to go have that conversation. Um, did you leave somebody at home? Has anybody ever been left someplace before? You notice all of my family raised their hands because I've left my family all in different places. Terry got left at a gas station. Lance got left at a baseball field. How did you get left, Jack? Jack's never been left. When you're as loud as Jack, you don't get left places. But they had to go back. And he goes, yeah, I've got a younger son. He's out tending sheep. And that might seem like a glorious thing unless you've been around sheep. And then you realize that was not a glorious thing. And he goes out there and he anoints David to be the new king of Israel. And then we pick up in, in the story of David's life in 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting at verse 17. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to the camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. You see, all David was good for was taking food to his brothers and bringing the stories back. You see, not much was expected out of him, even by his own dad. Not much was expected out of him. If you're the youngest born, you know what that's like, right? You're like, yeah, everything's expected and nothing's expected out of me, and I guess I'll just go eat worms. So early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up the, and set out. As Jesse had directed, he reached the camp as the army was going out to battle, positions, shouting out the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things to the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion of Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. If I see a guy who's nine feet tall, I am also going to run with great fear. Just going to throw that out for you. Verse 25 says, Now the Israelites have been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him a daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. If you've ever paid taxes, this right here is a great way to, to, to do it, to get away from it. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated him what they had been said and told them. This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speak with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why did you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? You ever had somebody just kind of take the wind out of your sails? Someone said, well, you can't do this or you can't do that. That's what's going on right now with David. 
He turned away to someone else and brought up the same manner. The men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul that Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he's been, fighting a man, he's been a fighting man since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried out the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he had defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Can you imagine how bad things must have been in the army that Saul would send out a 13-year-old boy to go and defend the entire nation of Israel? I look at this, I'm like, Saul, what are you thinking? I mean, he even had a son, Jonathan. Why, why didn't Jonathan go? But actually, why didn't Saul go? Why didn't, he anoint, why didn't he appoint somebody else? Why didn't he call his troops in and say, hey, you're the best fighter. Why don't you go? Why? No, nobody had the courage. Everybody was afraid. But David said, what? I can do this. Why? Because God's with me. Have you ever stood up for God? God's called you. God said, I want you to do this. You're going to step out in faith. And then once you make that step, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm really scared. What am I going to do now? What would Connect Church look like if every single member, if every single person who's called this place home started running the battle lines to the most insignificant thing for the most significant person with a purpose, with a whole heart intensity, and with full throttle devotion to God? What would our church look like if everyone ran to the battle lines and said, put me in, coach? I I can't wait to serve. I can't wait to be used by God. I want to go in. I want to fight. I want to do battle. Because everybody else in Israel was scared, but David says, I can do this. Here's what I want you to know. Your service isn't insignificant. Sometimes we look around and we say, well, I can only do this, or I can only do this. And what we're saying is, God, God made a mistake when he created me because I can't do very much. But what God has created you and the call that God has put on your life, it is not significant. It is profound. And God says, I want to use it because I've created you with purpose. <laughs> I was uh, up here on the front row, and if you saw me messing on my phone, it wasn't that I was texting or, or checking scores or doing any of those things. But um, last week, we had an issue with Facebook, and, and I called our, our, our provider because we, we live stream our services on Facebook, and they said it's a Facebook issue, and I contacted Facebook, and they said, oh, it was a glitch. It won't happen again. Will it happen again? But in all of that, I said, we're not going to worry about it glitching out on us. We're going to go to our own online platform. We had one that offered us. We've had it reserved for, for a couple years, and, and today we're, we're unfurling it. We beta tested it on Wednesday, and so my mom texted me. She goes, hey, I can't find your service. Where is it? And I said, well, go to this site, and I said, and you can talk back and forth with Trish. She'll make you feel welcome. And if you need prayer, she'll go in there and pray with you. And we might look at this and say, man, is that really a significant part? Well, it is. People's lives are touched wherever they are, across the world, across TV screens, across phone screens, to hear the message of Jesus Christ, to hear hope. Every ministry is significant. When... 
Liz first came to, uh, to Kenneth and, and Ashley and me and said, hey, I'd like to do Journey Through the Bible. What she didn't know is we had a previous conversation two months earlier that said, we are not going to do Journey Through the Bible because Kenneth, Ashley, and I cannot lead it. And there's, we, we legitimately said somebody's going to have to step up and lead it because it is up to us. It's not going to happen. It wasn't that we thought it was a bad ministry. We just said we couldn't do it. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. Ashley's back there. She can confirm it. You can ask Pastor Kenneth later. He can confirm it. But literally a week later, Liz came to us and said, hey, do you think I could lead Journey Through the Bible? And I'm like, what? And then she started gaining people and asking people to come in. And so there were people who came in and, and... she would be here almost every single day for the last month, getting things set up and having people meet her here, and, and different ladies would come and help her stuff during the day, and different people would come at night and help her out with stuff, but every single job served a purpose. And if you were to go through our church, and you only look at one scene, and only focus on one scene, you're like, "Why? Well, okay, scene of creation. So what's the deal? Well, once you walk through the entire Bible and you realize that even in our brokenness, even when Adam and Eve sinned and broke relationship with God, God had a much bigger plan for us. He didn't cut us off. He didn't destroy us. In Genesis 3.15, it tells us that God had a plan. He carries that, that calling. He carries it all out. Your service isn't significant, it isn't small, it isn't minor. In, in 1 Samuel 17, 12 through 15, it says, And David was the son of an Ephraimite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. <laughs> it's easy looking to say, well, you know, David, your, your ministry was insignificant. But it wasn't. Because your service matters. Because what David was learning as a shepherd helped him defeat the Philistine. What David was learning as a shepherd helped him become king of Israel. He learned as a shepherd that I could... I, I don't know if he set up pop bottles. I'm not even sure if they had pop bottles back then. But I can just see him setting them up on the fence post and practicing his slingshot and knocking them off and going, yeah, I can do that, yeah, I can do that. And a bear comes in and goes, I've been practicing my slingshot. I think I can do this. Hitting the bear, and the bear runs off, grabbing the bear by the back of the neck, which, by the way, being that I lived in Montana, never, ever do that. Very dangerous. But why? He was entrusted with something valuable. Remember what the master said to the servant? You've been entrusted with something small. I will entrust you with something bigger. This is what God is saying to David. David, you proved yourself as a, as a shepherd. And now I will trust you as a king. Teenagers, you're, you're in the developmental stages of your life right now. And, and sometimes it, it feels like what you're doing is insignificant. And you're like, man, I'm going to school and, and I got to do this homework and I, and, and I just don't like doing it. If you're a parent, you've ever had the discussion with your kid of why daily work matters, and they pop off this, it's only 10% of my grade. Anybody ever, I use that all the time as a kid. Mom, dad, it's only 10% of my grade. 
What does it matter? Well, if you get all 100% on all your test scores, but you turn in none of your daily work, you know what your final grade is? 90%. It's not good enough, Jack. Because you're not going to get all 100%, are you? And we say, well, it's insignificant. It doesn't matter. But everything that we do builds and matters. Your service matters. David went back and forth from the front to tending his father's sheep because it mattered. It mattered that he'd take food to his brothers. It mattered that he would bring a report home to dad and say, hey, they're still alive. It's good. It mattered that he took care of the sheep when he was home and, and helped his father out. It all mattered. But here's the final thing. God's preparing you. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. This isn't any typical teenage boy, is it? Actually, it probably is. I, I could totally see my 13-year-old doing the same thing. But God was preparing him. And so here comes Goliath. Goliath comes out, he stands in the field, he barks out orders, he tells him what's going on, what's not going on. We, we look at our, at our ministry, we look at our job calling, we look at what God is calling us to do, and we say, well, it's not that big of a deal, and it doesn't matter if I don't show up, but it matters. You look at your ministry and your family, and you're like, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, who else notices what's going on if you don't show up? It matters. Everything we do matters. God's preparing us. God is using that. We lose track of God sometimes. Sometimes we get focused on our own little world, our own little section, and say, well, this is all I'm concerned about. I'm only worried about my own little sphere of influence right here. And we forget that God has designed us for something bigger. God is preparing us to be used by him. Have you ever had those conversations with God where God says, I'm calling you someplace, and you're like, well, God, that doesn't look very glamorous. And God says, I'll use you. And we have to be obedient, we have to follow God, and, and no matter what sphere we step into, and I remember when God was calling us to Pocket City back in 1999, and I'm like, you know, we're, we're, we're in a small brick building on the other side of town, and, and it, it, I remember walking in there and going, man, I can't wait to fill this up. In the back of my mind, I'm like, man, will we ever fill this up? And I remember being scared, and I remember going, what happens if I fail? What happens if we, we close the things down? What, what happens if, if everything goes off the, tra off the tracks? What if, what if, what if? But the entire time, God is sitting there with the other what if. What if you're just obedient to the call of God in your life? Have you ever sat there and flipped coins on the calling of God in your life? On May 30th, 1998, about 9 o'clock in the morning, I go to wash my car in Okeen, Oklahoma. And I'm sitting there as I'm washing the car, Knowing that in about four hours I'm getting married, I'm like, I could leave right now. I could sneak out of town. 
I could go back to Tulsa. I, I could leave. And I'm, I'm sitting there flipping quarters. What, what should I do? Should I leave? Should I stay? Should I leave? Should I stay? And as you guys can tell, I made, the, I made a great decision. Have you ever been scared? Yeah. It doesn't matter, heads or tails. I won. <laughs> but you're sitting there. Should I accept the call of God? April 19, 1995, we're at a, a prayer service at, at, at college, and I'm sitting there, and God had been calling me in the ministry, and I've been fighting against it. And my good friend Brian is praying with me, and Terry's on the other side praying with me. And Brian whispers in my ear at the end of this prayer. He goes, Mark, are you willing to follow God right now? And I looked at him, and I said, God's calling me in the ministry. And he goes, yeah, he is. About time you woke up. But flipping those coins, what, which way am I going to go? Am I going to accept it? Am I not going to accept it? Am I going to do my own thing? Am I going to follow God? Am I going to be obedient? Or am I going to chase after my God instead of the God? David's sitting right here. God has done all these things. He's been preparing me. And in his mind, he remembers that God anointed me, that Samuel anointed me for the service of God, that I'm going to be the king. And there's a, a sense of gusto about that. He says, you know what? I'm going to step out in faith because God has anointed me. And I know that I'm called by God. And therefore, because I'm called by God, God's protection will be upon me. I don't know if he was putting God to the test saying, you know what? I wonder if I go out and fight this, if God will allow a spear to pass through my body. But he's knowing this, that Philistine is not going to mock my God. You know what? The Philistine didn't even get a chance to throw a spear at him. While the Philistine was still laughing, David hit him in the center of the forehead with a rock. That's what happens when you get stuck between a rock and a hard place. God had been preparing him and saying, you are ready for this. We have, my family and I, or actually Terry and I, are full throttle into Cobra Kai. We've watched every episode of every season. We get excited for it. When I see kids wearing the Cobra Kai t-shirts, I'm like, yes, I love Cobra Kai. But I'm an original junkie of Cobra Kai, or actually of Miyagi-Do. And I remember watching the Karate Kid and watching Danielson work on his craft. And I've got a scene I wanted to show it with you from the original Karate Kid. Oh, show me sand the floor. How did you do that? Shut up! Sand the floor. Stand up. Show me sand the floor. Sand the floor. Big sucker. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. Now show me wax on, wax off. Hey. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look in my eye. Lock a hand. 
Tom Instay. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on. Wax off. Push. Show me pentafence. Up, down. Up, down. Up, down. Other side. Look eye. Always look eye. Show me paint the house. Say, say. Lock wrist. Side, side. Side, side. Yes. Show me wax on, wax off. Yes! 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 Show me paint the fence. Yes! 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 Show me side to side. Yes! 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 Show me sand of floor. Yes! 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 He's been saying, all I've been doing is painting your house, painting your fence, waxing your car, sanding your floor. I have been doing nothing. But Miyagi's saying, I've been preparing you. We look at God and we say, God, all I've been doing is this. And God's saying, I am preparing you. For what? The call of God in your life. And we're sitting there and we're flipping coins going, which way should I go? Should I follow God heads? I follow God tails? I, I, I don't follow God. And sometimes we do this. That's two out of three. That's three out of five. That's four out of seven. And God's saying this. Do you just accept the call of God in your life? The call that God has placed on me isn't the call that God has placed on you. And, and don't just think because if you're a teenager and someone has called one of your classmates in the ministry, it doesn't mean that their calling is any bigger than your calling. God's just called them to a different form of service, but God is calling you. And he's saying, will you rise up? Will you stand up? Will you chase after me? Here and now, may God use you beyond your wildest dreams. As a connector to the current of the power of Christ, you are called to serve. If you go to our website on the homepage there, there are three drop-down boxes. If you click on the right, it'll take you to a screen. If you click on the far right one again, it says spiritual gifts. You can take a spiritual gift test, and you can find out what God is calling you to and how God is asking you and, and telling you this is what you're gifted for. Because once you learn those things, you're like, man, I can't wait to use this. I can't wait to do that. And then you start calling me up and say, hey, why don't we do this? And why don't we do that? Because whatever God has put on your heart, whatever God has put in your life, guess what? God can use it for great things. God is calling you. Don't let anybody tell you you're not called of God. 
don't let anyone tell you that you're junk. Because as any four-year-old can tell you, you are made by God and God don't make no junk. Isn't that good theology right there? God is calling you. What are you going to do for God? Hey, guys, we're excited for tonight. We're excited to see what God is going to do. We're excited to hear stories of, of kids walking through the journey through the Bible. We're excited to see how God is going to use this. And so I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over We're going to pray over it as well later. But I, I just want to pray a prayer that God would use that in a mighty way. But I also want to encourage you, if you want to go to the, our website, connectchurchpc.com, and, and, and click on those links and, and find the spiritual gift test and, and, and learn what God is calling you to, and it's an eye-opener, it's a game-changer. Let's pray. Dear God, right now, I just ask, Lord, that you would not only speak into the, what you called us to do, into our, our being, into our spirit, God, but I pray, Lord, that you would use our ministry today, God, the opportunity that you have given us to, to serve a community, to tell them about Jesus Christ, to tell them about the, the, the stories in the Bible, to walk them through from creation to, to resurrection of the purpose that you have in store for us. And as these kids get candy that refers them back to each Bible story, God, may every time they see that candy, they remember the story that you have placed in their heart and their life. And God, I pray that of these students that come through, that you will call some in a relationship with you. And I pray, God, that you would call some to go in the ministry for you. And I pray, God, that you would call some to change the world on your behalf. Lord, I pray that we would be obedient to the call that you place in our lives. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. We are a people.